0: The latest inflation print is out. It came in at 1.2%, far too high and well outside the RBA's projections. In this episode of Australian Property Talk, Kurt and I are going to run through this inflation print and talk through what it means for Australian borrowers. There's a big downside here because I think we're both going to be calling for another rate rise in the month ahead. I want to speak, with Curtis. Curtis, how are
1: you? Yeah, going well. Good to follow up after we ran through some of the things that are likely to be considered um, earlier in the week and now like the big the most important data point has hit. So, yeah. Um, yeah, kind of all the the numbers are in and it's now just a matter of thinking about how they're going to weigh it up, where they're going to land.
0: Yeah. Give me your take. Uh, in 30 seconds, what do you think the RBA yeah. are going to do next with this information set Why?
1: why? Uh, 25-bit rise, I think, is what they're going to... That's the end result. Um, and I think the reasoning behind it is probably as much built around... Um, The signaling to the markets and the public about how serious they are about bringing inflation down in a timely manner, more so than anything in the data that would suggest um, inflation is, you know, not coming down or it's heading in the wrong direction. Um, It might, the data suggests that maybe now it's fractionally, you know, above where they want it to be, which means maybe we're going to be fractionally too slow. Um, But I think the, the real impetus behind putting rates up is really more of a signalling effect than actually correcting any anomaly in the data that they're really concerned about. It's more about putting the focus back, um, putting everyone's focus back on the fact that the RBA are going to bring inflation down quickly.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, what about two rate rises? So November, and but do you think this is strong enough to? push the cash rate up to 4.6% by December, um, there's not going to be any more inflation data that comes out, or at least, um, you know, no full data set. Um, there's only the monthly rate that comes out. So, will this cause back-to-back rate rises?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think the inflation numbers are sufficiently high that it would be back-to-back. Um, like I said, I think the... The majority of the decision making is probably more going to be around you know signaling to markets We've had a bunch of pauses now in a row um that they're reminding everyone, hey, if inflation is fractionally high or we're still we're still here and our fo- number one focus is on bringing it down. I think one rise in November achieves that objective. Yep. I think a second rise in December would only be required if there was some real genuine concerns that inflation wasn't tracking in the right direction. So, yep. my read of the data is that that's not the case. It's marginally high, but it's still broadly kind of where it needs to be. Um, so, that's, that's how I'd kind of see
0: it. So- I think it goes back to your first point. Um, So my take, we'll we'll delve a little bit deeper into the data so everyone in the audience can get a little bit of a deeper picture into it. But my take on it is the RPA's tolerance level for inflation being a little bit beyond their own projection is very low at the moment. So they were already inkling towards another rise, at least um, posturing towards it. And this may be enough to make that decision for them. Um, So the context of this, data set on its own it's really not that far out of what their own projections are a couple um you know 10 20 bips above where they thought it could land on their own projections um so it's not massive um but they just don't have much patience left for upside surprises and they've said that out so this is largely about sticking to their word, in my opinion, um, that they want to say, hey, if there was any material change in the outlook to inflation, they will act. And this is a material change in that sense. So um, so that is Probably why there may be another rate rise, So yeah. probably, and may in that, because, you know, market pricing uh, in 50-50, but I think that might rise over the course of the week, and we get closer to the cup decision day. It might even rise closer to, you know, 60, 70, 60 or 70% yeah. decision day.
1: Yeah, I think that, like you say, that communication over the last, you know, a couple of months, maybe, or since ShotWallock's taken over, really, is... Uh, I think it almost has backed them into a little bit of a corner here where um, her commentary has always been around um, they're cognizant of risks on the upside. They don't have much tolerance for inflation, you know, being being more, um, sticking around for longer than projected. They're worried about the RBA's credibility and bringing it down. Basically, all the commentary has been around, you know, our tolerance levels for any upside risks are low. So, I think if you come out and you say that, yeah. You know, for a couple of months consecutively and you're putting that out there, yes. then when you get a number that is a little bit on the upside, mm. um, you are it's stuck. Yeah, you, I think you kind of have to follow through with what you're saying, really. like um, I think they took their outs away
0: from them a little bit because they talked about, uh, in recent communication from Gulloch, she talked about how upside surprises, even from factors outside yeah. the ABS control, like fuel, um, which is driving this data print, create the psyche and expectation and we are already in a scenario where inflation is out of band for three years basically um, maybe even more according to their own projections about how long we can take return and how much time we've already uh, passed with this high inflation environment um, because it's going to be around for a significant period of time that that expectation theory is starting to weigh heavier into their decision yep. Um and that this is why that even though it's driven by fuel this point, they might need to act because there's low tolerance for it. So, using their communication and what they've been telling us um, about what they're thinking, I think that's why I, I read this as how the most likely decision is going to be a rise in November. And I wouldn't put past I wouldn't put a past as a back-to-back ride as well. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, so, um, that is partly that international context a little bit. Um, and if data there's not much data that comes out so exactly yeah. if the data just holds and if unemployment holds at 3.6 percent, and you know the employment market just continues to deteriorate but not in any meaningful sense it just has low employment growth rather than unemployment rising up so much um you know i think they could be triggered into back, back rate rises and getting Australian interest rates close to world interest rates and having a small interest rate differential between Australia and the rest of the world um that you know it can easily happen because one rate rise can easily cause two rate rises here um because it's not uh the timing is what could drive this we're in november uh, we're about to hit the november meeting between november and december there's probably 20 odd days or three or four weeks before those two meetings yeah november meetings um you know, 10 or something like that but so, uh there's only three weeks and there's not much data in between so they could easily have one rate rise, they two rate rises and just a 50 dip adjustment rather than a 25 dip adjustment. And that's some history there as well because most of the time when the RPA moves, they don't move in 25 dip cycles. And I'm going to call this a little bit of a new cycle because they paused for an extended period of time, for three months or so. They've paused and so now it's a reassessment. So do you really reassess and say, look, we're going to go from 1 to 4.35? That isn't much of a change. Um, so, it could easily be one and then two um, to you know, get yeah. the train rate back, back in line. So that's why it creates a difficult situation for Australian borrowers who are already feeling the pinch and the Australian economy is already slowing. That's pretty clear. Um, and this may drive not only one rate rise, but it could be two because they rise in November. It could also mean rising.
1: Yeah. So, so, so. Yeah, we can debate that one over the coming yeah, we coming weeks and see. But do you want to dive a little bit deeper into the actual inflation data yep. Um. so we can give people a little bit of an understanding of, um, obviously, you know, they give you a headline number like, well, you know, the print's 1.2, um. Yep. but not everything's contributing equally to that. So, yep. yeah, dive into the data a bit. So, in the detail, I don't think it's all that concerning because of the 1.2%, um, you
0: know, 0.34%, Roughly twenty-five to thirty percent of it comes from, a bit more than thirty percent, bit more than thirty percent of it comes from fuel. Um, so fuel prices have shot up. Um, that was a shock. Already known. We, you know, a lot of us would already know this when we were just filling up the tank. Petrol prices have gone back up again. Um, so thirty percent of this inflation print on its own is from fuel prices, and that's directly fuel prices. It's not talking about the grocery price impact of you know the the trucks costing a little bit more um to so transport goods around and, you know, yeah, and furniture and things like that. All the other um indirect influences that fuel has, it's not even talking about that. It's just talking about direct fuel costs um on people. And um, that makes up, you know, thirty percent of that price change. Um rents make up another big chunk of this. Um the rental adjustment is going on. Um, We've talked about this in the past, that rent is gonna lag into the CPI and it's coming in really strong at the moment. Um, so rent's made up a big part of it. Um, uh, new dwelling purchases, so this is construction costs. Um, this one will come down because the RBA have uh, more uh, lead indicators of this. Um, and that suggests that prices uh, for construction of new homes has Um, you know, uh, uh, core logic measure this, and that's really dropped off a cliff. Um, And electricity is another big one as well. And that's large because electricity prices change yearly. I think they're regulated on how often they can change their prices. Um, So that feeds through on 1 July. That's the measurement window here between 1 July and um, 30 September. So those are the main drivers. Um, But even then, the percentage of the basket that was rising – pretty high gain um so uh, i don't have a full data set on that but almost all the individual metrics even the smaller components of the cpi were all rising uh, and, and some of these rises are a bit too much in these contexts so um driven by those factors as the large uh, drivers of the cpi print um, that's a little bit encouraging in the sense that hey look m- many of these things are not actually influenced by rates all that much yeah uh, raising rates will it pay to petrol prices no um Raising rates will it change rental prices and bring downward pressure on rental markets? I don't believe so, and I don't think the RBA are clear cut on that. I think they recognise hmm, um, that you know increasing the costs on landlords can uh, mean that gets passed on by higher rents. I think they appreciate that a little bit. So um, there's some you know nuances to how the RBA react to this data set, where it's just like well, what are we going to do about it? <laughs> you know, we can't really do much about this. Interest rates isn't going to change it. of this. Um, So there's some nuances there on the flip side of the argument.
1: Yeah, I think it kind of cuts both ways. So I think one of the positive aspects is, um, and you might be able to talk about this in more detail, like now that we've had, I guess, bigger rises from say fuel and rents, um, we can probably expect that in future quarterly prints, their impact to overall inflation is going to be a bit, lower. Um a little bit like we've spoken about months months ago. Um as you see, like the price rises have to continue, you know, at a similar trajectory in order to maintain its pressure on the CPI numbers. Yep. Um, so that's one factor that might mean it's a big impact in this quarterly print, but it might have it might be less of a problem going forward. Um, but then the other factor is like you mentioned Interest rate, like changing interest rates aren't necessarily going to impact the couple of key metrics that are really driving the high um inflation numbers in this print. So um it's almost a little bit counterintuitive, but the RBA are probably going to be in a position where they use the one tool they've got, which is interest rate. (laughs) Interest rates, um, and they're gonna use it to potentially lower, lower demand and consumption in other things to compensate for um the high. Higher inflation numbers they're seeing in a couple of bas- in a couple of good classifications that they can't control. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, and yeah, uh, I would say because they've kind of gone to the public um, and publicly kind of committed that they don't have really much tolerance for upside factors, um, it ties their hands a little bit in. They can't really come back now and, say, hold rates and have try and have a more nuanced discussion and say, well, you know, we've dug into the basket. And because it's these couple of items that aren't really um, mm-hmm. sensitive to interest rates, you know, we, we're going to leave things on hold. Um, their messaging has kind of put themselves in a bit of a position where almost regardless of what the reason was for the high print, um, once that comes in, um, they've kind of indicated that they'll be raising
0: Look, I'm going to play it for a second. I'm going to be in all the borrowers' corners. Um, I imagine that represents a large part of the audience here, and and talk about why they will hold interest rates. And I don't know if this is the wrong decision either. I'm not sure whether they should actually raise rates. I think they put themselves in a bit of a corner and may need to raise rates to justify the communication, and they're signalling that. But I don't know whether they actually need to. Um, And the reason for that is the Australian economy is slowing down. They've uh, got a lot of data on that. The Australian household is feeling the pressure. Further rate rises won't change fuel prices. Um, The concept of expectation theory, uh, you know, is it in the weeds a little bit? Um, You know, like we are, inflation's coming down pretty quickly. Uh, Inflation expectations are lower as well than where they were a little while ago. So uh, they are credible in the sense that will the RBA beat inflation? I think, Australian do believe that. I think Australian recognize that. they've already had the fastest rate rising cycle. on record. Interest rates are high here in Australia, um, despite what the world is doing. Um, and uh, from a financial stability perspective, um, I know the RBA have done a lot of research here and are suggesting that, you know Australian household and uh, mortgage holders are absorbing these rate rises. Uh, all they need to do is wait for a little bit longer. And they will see Australians' savings balances continue to deteriorate quickly. And we're already seeing this in GDP data. Australia's savings rates have fallen off a cliff. And this is a worldwide experience. And we're seeing it, particularly in the US, where they have no more savings. And now they're into that dis-saving sort of territory, which is what happened. They did rates so much. Australia's going to head that way next year. So they can just breathe, chill out a little bit, and being like, look, this is the past um You know Lucy Ellis's word, bygone to be bygones in the past. The outlook of inflation for the future, and we've given ourselves two years. This doesn't change twenty twenty four outlook. Like nothing in here is altering the projection of where inflation would be in twenty twenty four. So that that could be a very legitimate explanation for pausing interest rates. Um, and in fact, saying that out loud, I think it's what they should do. Um, and I'm not saying that as a mortgage broker and as someone who. Uh, you know, has mortgages. I'm saying that as someone who is just assessing all data conditions in Australia and thinking, hey, look, I think they've got room to pause um, and just let it be and be like, look, I will reassess in six months' time, and what's one more rate wise actually going to do and achieve here? And do we really need to do it?
1: Yeah, I think that's maybe. The, I was going to say the only reasonable argument I think for a pause, but the strongest argument is like you say, separating the uh, Because you know the CPI numbers when they come in, they are back like it's backwards-looking data. It's not a projection. It's things that have already happened. So yeah, I think the strongest argument you could mount for a pause is to like you say say look, the data that's come in that's backwards-looking. Yes, it was slightly higher than we expected, but the trajectory and the path to bringing it back into band remains unchanged. There's nothing in this data that changes our forecasts. Nothing in this data that changes our trajectory or timelines. Therefore, no change to like where there's no no change to the cash rate. Yep. Um I think that is I personally I don't think that's the way it'll go, but um think think that is the strongest argument that you could uh well, we
0: I have, it's true. I think that is the strongest argument. I think it's one argument you can make I feel like the argument rate rate. That's that's why they I, I feel like they will rate rate. Because this data set is gonna be part of the headline inflation figure, the one that's reported for the next four quarters. Like you yeah. gonna take four quarters to weed out. And the projection for December 2023 is here. And to actually achieve that 3.9 percent inflation projection, we need a 0.5 percent print next quarter. Yeah, is that realistic? Mm, don't think so. So, well,
1: but I don't. I don't actually think it's a weak argument at all. I just think it's not the argument. Like, for example, if Michelle Bullock was there for the last two months and she was saying the most important thing is that we get within the two to three percent band, you know, by By our timeframes, you know some of the inflation prints we expect are going to come maybe lower than expected. Some of them might come higher than expected. But the RBA's focus is getting walking the narrow path, and we want to be back in two to three percent, like on our timeframes. That's our target. Data will come in along the way. You know it might be higher, might be lower, but our focus is you know the end game. If that was our messaging for the last like two months, then I think you know what you're saying. You would be holding rates, and it's a perfectly fine you know argument but how much that,
0: of that is forced like you know, i mean it can't be out here with a mess message at the moment they need infl- inflation's too high so they need to use their mouth um what do you call it jaw boning uh, yeah they need, they need to be on message if that makes sense um and lucy um lucy ellis she is now chief economist at westpac but previously was on the board or really really high up very very keen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but now he's providing public communication for Westpac, which is amazing. Greed um, he began before today's note, where she said there's a rate right coming. She began being like, hey, I don't think um, they want to raise rates anymore. Um, so that's a bit of like insight, yeah. information coming out from someone who has the um, all the know how of what they're thinking. So perhaps they don't want to raise rates, but they need to be out there and doing what they like, it's their job. But yeah, it would actually just say that, hey, we're going to be raising rates further. We won't hesitate to raise. It's it's what they're supposed to say. It's kind of like the opposite spectrum when COVID was around. Their job was to say, hey, we're going to go help Australians out and promote the economy for the next few years. They couldn't be out there saying, we might increase interest rates in a couple of years. Hey, everyone, don't spend too much. During COVID, they can't be saying that. At the same time, right now, they can't be saying, hey, look, we don't want to raise rates anymore. We've done our job. They can't be out there saying that, even if they think it.
1: Yeah, but I would also say once you take that jaw burning stance, then you like your hands are a little bit tired in your decision making. So, um, I like, I I guess what I'm trying to say is I think the argument that you kind of laid out for holding rates is a very, very legitimate argument. Mm. You know, like intellectually, I don't think it has that many holes in it. Um, I more just think if the it's very difficult, I think, for Bullock to hold and make that argument now after spending. A couple of months effectively making the jaw learning arguments. That
0: makes sense. It's true. You look a little bit funny when you don't back up what you've been saying. So, yeah, I agree with that. So, there you have it. Our breakdown of the inflation print. Um, It's not positive for Australian borrowers, but new information comes to light. And, um, you know, this data set and all data sets with the Australian economy over the course of the year, particularly the hugely important ones, the quarterly inflation prints, have been changing the narrative. And this alters the narrative again versus the June print, which came in a little bit um, came in okay. This one's a little bit too high. So now the narrative again starts shifting towards potential further rate rises, whether that's one rate rise, two rate rises, I think, or no rate rises. I think that's the current framework of potential options. It's going to be A, B, or C. Um, those that want no rate rises hopefully it stays in, in that territory um rate rises make our jobs that much more difficult definitely with so many borrowers feeling like the pinch where you hear that day in day out with um, a lot of people and uh, there's obviously a price sensitivity to rates at the moment from australian consumers but, um, we, we definitely see that um and yet yeah, just quickly touching on this any market impacts on property markets from this information set and potentially a re-rise. just early insights on that um,
1: yeah i don't I don't think f- this information set has any impact. I think yep. any impacts will flow out of the RBA's decision, not um, the data release okay. um, it's hard to say like uh, you know our expectations of or expectations have probably been that with rates, so high, we might have seen more of cooling than we have seen, mm-hmm. so I'm not sh- necessarily sure that an extra. 25 bips.
0: no one's expecting these two though like this one or the next one or
1: if, if it doesn't yeah expecting. if there's two definitely no one's expecting it so yeah i just like it's hard to say my track record of predicting the impact of rate rises on buyer demand like hasn't necessarily been that good i've i've expected that the rate rises would soften demand a little bit more than they have yep. um so i'm unsure if 25 bips would will do that much like but i would say if you're assessing the impact like it's not going to drive prices higher yep like the impact's not going to be up it's either going to be like zero or some type of cooling um my short theory on this is
0: uh i don't know did we mention on the last podcast i don't know if it did or not but Recently, there's been a huge spike in the number of purchases, particularly in Sydney, really across the country for uh, investors as well, probably Sydney investors buying interstate. And we're seeing a lot more purchase activity this time around. In fact, uh, at Converse Finance in uh, the month of October, we saw more purchases from clients than Nearly, almost a six-month period in the corresponding previous year. So the number of people purchasing is through the roof, um, and we're also seeing the urgency from people as well. So that's one thing that I measure. It's a little bit of a sentiment one. There's no real statistical tool for it but just how urgent the conversations are being like i need a pre-approval tomorrow that's kind of the conversations we're having again versus you know a year ago it's like i'm thinking of buying maybe at some point but no one's actually making committed offers but now everyone is sort of jumping back in i think part of that was just timing being like look i want to buy at the end of next year like you want to buy at the end of 2023 interest rates are moving too much let's just wait till they all come out um so there's been a, a flood of demand catch-up demand yes people mm-hmm. who are waiting in the wings for a year year or two. Um, so I don't know whether this will change the property market dynamic so much. I do think Sydney um specifically, which is the most credit-sensitive market, will cool off. Um prices are now at a level where they've caught up all of their falls or close enough to it. And I do think price growth will cool off. Um and really all the rate adjustment that's been um played out, uh, rents have kind of made up for that in terms of valuations, Um, but affordability is really, really stretched on all affordability metrics. Sydney is now almost at its worst state on record. Um, There was a period in the mid-2000s that were really ugly as well. We're back in that period again. Um, So, I think that's kind of a ceiling um, and we're approaching that sort of level. So, um, I think price growth will cool in Sydney nationally.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see, but I think there might be a bit of a difference between one and two rate rises in mm. the effect a uh, black housing market would be my guess I think if there's two back to back I think that might have a much bigger impact on demand basically yep. um a much much bigger impact lowering demand than if it's just one rise in isolation in November
0: yeah that that's probably true um yeah we're entering into the end of the property market season anyway so November december Activity uh, back end of November, um, in December, activity does call cool. The production has come off as well. A so. uh, lot of interesting things to unpack here. We'll do another episode. I don't think we're actually in the country. We're away at the same time on a business trip. Um, so don't think we're in the country for the RBA rate decision. But if we are, we will do another episode podcast from anywhere in the world, mate. That's the joy of it. Yeah, we'll take these microphones um, and uh, talk through that one. Uh,